0: Uh, you may have noticed that there is a Muslim presence in this country. Um, especially if you travel further afield in Norwich. Uh, there are mosques springing up where they were formerly unknown. And there are Muslim people uh, of all sorts of different ages and from different parts of the world uh, in this country. Uh, I know when I grew up in southwest London... I never met any Muslims and I think the only, uh, the only time Christians that I knew heard anything about Islam is when they went to special missionary meetings and heard stories about exotic places far away where people wore strange clothes and did strange things and you prayed for the poor missionaries. And the world has changed, at least this country has changed, oh no, the world has changed. Um, and Today there is an an awareness, not only of Islam, the religion, not only of Muslims as people uh, around us all over the place, but actually their beliefs too. And they get talked about on the radio, they get talked about on the news, um, and uh, what's important, what offends, what doesn't offend, what their priorities are. And virtually every week there's some news story or other that brings our attention back again. Uh, to the Muslim world, and the Muslims living in this country. There we go. Islam is very much in Britain. So why are we talking today, in church, about Islam? There we go. Um... Islam is a religion that claims to speak exclusively for the Creator God. The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ also claims to speak exclusively for the Creator God. So we have something that's relevant. We have something that touches on who we are and what we do as Christians. Uh, Islam claims that Muhammad is the supreme representative of uh, the word of God to man and set the pattern. We, as we, we sang earlier, we believe uh, in God as father, Jesus his son who died for us. And these two things cannot be reconciled. There is a, there is a flat contradiction there. So this is relevant to us. Uh, at times we talk about, uh, in, the, in the context of the gospel, we talk about agnostics, and, you know, people live in a don't know position and we answer that. And we, have, we talk about people who are atheists. You say there is no God and we, we talk about how to answer that. Islam also calls uh, for an answer from us because it speaks directly to the things we believe and affirm. Islam came about uh, after Christianity and there's a conscious rejection of core Christian values. It's not just that Islam looks at the creed and says, well, we don't happen to agree with that. No, I so, said, well, that bit's blasphemy, that bit's blasphemy, that is completely, uh, completely wrong. So, what are we going to do? I'm not going to stand here and give you a lecture on Islam, nor am I going to try and convince you of the things that you already believe is true. But I'd like us to consider what our attitude should be, our heart attitude should be, to the Muslim people who we do meet, and if we haven't yet, we will meet, sooner or later, in the coming time. One of the questions we should ask ourselves, or can ask ourselves, is why are there so many Muslims in the UK? And it may surprise you to know that you can turn to the Bible for an answer. The passage we read has this Verse in it. Come on. From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth and he determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. I think a lot of us without thinking about it have an inherent feeling that okay, God is sovereign, he's organised the world, he's put people where they are. This verse talks about places and Times. That God determines the times and places that the peop- that people should live. Now, whatever things are going on sociologically, economically, geopolitically, and you know, people can write wonderful books and explore for years all the processes going on in this world. Somewhere in there and behind there, God is involved in determining where people live. And this puts a whole different light on immigration. And especially at this time where throughout the world people are moving as never before. Somehow God is a part of that. Even poor countries like Chad have immigration. And when you watch the World Cup and you see these different countries and you've got players from many different countries playing for Poland and Russia and Germany and all the rest of it. It's not just Europe, it's all over the world. There are movements of population. God is a part of moving people around. If our heart attitude is one of fear or resentment or hostility, we need to that, recognise that we are We have a problem with God. We say, Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. If that means anything at all, then the changes we've seen in this country is part of his plan. And we need to approach it with faith. We need to respond to it according to the spirit and not according to the flesh. Hmm. Okay. Why? Why, when God's will is for all men to turn to Christ and to know his love through Christ, why do we have all these Muslims coming here? God did this, did what? From all nations of men, they put them in their different times and places. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. I find this statement quite extraordinary. There are very few statements in scripture that are so tentative. It's intriguing, isn't it? Not, he did this so that would happen. He speaks to you so that you would, whatever. He did this so that they might seek him. So they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. God is what lies behind God's placing of peoples in their places and in their times, the times he sets for them, is creating the possibility that they might find him. Doesn't say it will always happen, but it creates the possibility. And in these days, when so many new interactions are being generated, we must expect to see that as part of it. God is creating the possibility that people who did not previously have the possibility of finding him, then find him. God has revealed himself through Christ and into his people. And there are, there, there are people who've lived for hundreds of years, completely excluded from all of that. And he's beginning to move them to places where they can come into contact with his people. Where are they going to find him? It's not that God is more present in England... However, the passage tells us um, the God who made the earth and every um, the God who made the world and everything in it is Lord of heaven and earth. He does not live in temples built by hands. God is not found in buildings. It's not about that. The passage has already dealt with that thing. Now, where is God to be found? Where is God resident? Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit lives in you? This is our core Christian truth. That God no longer has a temple built of stone. He lives in a temple of flesh. He lives in those people who have been joined to him through Jesus Christ. That the Holy Spirit present in us is God's temple on earth which is a wonder. We could do a whole series just dwelling on that, meditating on it, enjoying the fullness of it, working out the implications of it. One implication is this. Where will those who do not know God, where are they supposed to find him? Well, they're supposed to find him in us. I know God uses many different things, but in the end it comes down to he has entrusted his word, he has infused his life into people like us not just for our benefit but that others would see god revealed in us that's not a completely new idea is it but we don't very often factor that in to the changes happening in our country god has brought many muslims here and one of the reasons is that they might find him in us and find the truth revealed in jesus is it happening does it work? Well, yes. At least in part. Um, when I first when I joined OM many years ago, I was with OM for a brief period. I went to Paris and I teamed up with uh, the, the group there. And I worked with a man called Yusuf. Uh, Yusuf from Algeria. He had gone to study in Sweden. And for three years, he wrestled with the gospel. He met Christians, he was impressed with what he saw. As a Muslim, he he couldn't accept it, and for three years he wrestled uh, with the gospel. At the end of the three years, as he completed his degree, he was convinced that Jesus was calling him to follow. And so he became a Christian, and when I met him, he had just left university, he had joined an OM team because he wanted to share the gospel, and uh, he said to me, you know, I'll never be able to go back to Algeria, and uh, I had all kinds of things churning around, but we, we went out together visiting Algerian homes together. And um, since then, amazing things have happened. And there's a a big uh, Christian movement in Algeria. And just the other day, I went online just to see if I could find Yusuf. And uh, I just found him looking through Google. Uh, It turned up on a Finnish site. He's actually a very well-known Algerian Christian now. And I think he's uh, training Algerians, North Africans generally, in Algeria. Sorry, in Algeria, in Spain. Um, He found a relationship with God that he had not known in his home country through being in Sweden with Swedish Christians. Um, I've got here in my hand a tract. It was given to me by a man of Bangladeshi origin uh, in October. He lives in Birmingham and he writes in his tract, religion is not enough. This personal story shows the difference between simply following a religion and having true life here and now. He says on the back, whatever background we come from, we are all sinful in need of forgiveness. The only way is through Jesus' death on the cross. It is not enough to follow a religion. It does not deal with the real problem of our hearts. And uh, this young Bangladeshi man, same story. Uh, Grew up in Birmingham, uh, was struck by what he met in Christians who were on fire for the Lord and showed him great kindness, wrestled with all the issues and finally came through. And is now proclaiming the love of God to others. Yes, it can happen. It does happen. It doesn't always happen. Um, now, in the south of Chad, there's where, where I work. In the south of Chad, there's a, a large Christian community. I work in the north, where the Muslims are, and in the south, where uh, Islam wasn't there historically. Uh, many many people have become Christian. And over the last uh, 15 to 20 years, there's been a huge influx of people from the north settling in the south, taking over the market, um, bringing, bringing in their herds, bringing in their different clothing and their different buildings. And there's an enormous sense amongst the people in the south of being invaded, of having hostile enemies moving in amongst them. And there's deep resentment and fear which is exactly what you would expect from human nature. It is the response of the flesh. This is my place, what are you guys doing here? This village that was my village is now becoming something else and I am jealous for it. It's a reaction of the flesh, as what one would expect. And the tragedy of the situation is so many people who claim to live by faith respond exactly like those who have no faith. Because faith says, the love of God has been revealed to all men. Love your brother, love your neighbour, love your enemy, same message. Jesus died for all. Jesus died for sinners. These people are sinners, show them love, show them kindness. And by and large it's not happening. It is not automatic that just because Muslims arrive, that they find the loving face of God in the people of God. I live in the northwest of England, uh, in the Pennine foothills, where there has been a Muslim presence for 50 years. And um, there has been, as far as I know, there has never, ever been any Muslim that has come to Christ through local testimony. There might be one or two, but I haven't heard about them. The other day I was invited to speak at a Baptist church And they said, we have never even thought about trying to reach the Muslims. We're beginning to think we ought to do something. Come and give us some advice. God did this so that men might find him and seek him. However, if Muslims come amongst us and what they encounter is fear, resentment, suspicion, hostility, they do not find the goodness and the grace of God. Alan quoted earlier the, the spirit we've been given is not a spirit of fear but of love love, joy, oh, I've lost the verse um, and self-control, sound mind uh, it is not a spirit of fear and yet so many Christians find themselves responding just like everybody else that has no faith the Lord shows his presence amongst us through the fruit of the spirit love, joy, peace and they are attractive to anyone They are what and it's you know, it's not an advertising thing. What God intends is that his righteous and gracious character is shown through us. That's the purpose of it, isn't it? We are called to be changed into his likeness. Not just as some personal trip for us, but that the world might know. And God is moving the peoples of the world around so that we would connect with them too. Doesn't mean it's easy doesn't mean it's automatic, but it does mean God is involved and for that reason we should be confident and respond with faith and with confidence, with joy. So, what do they see in you? Some of you uh, may already have Muslim colleagues or neighbours, friends, uh, maybe even relatives through marriage maybe doctors, maybe shopkeepers. If you haven't now, you will have, because the the presence of Muslims is becoming greater amongst us. What will they see in you? Not what what do you think of them, but what will they see in you? Will they see you and say, you have something special, what is it? Will they ask, why is it you give us such a warm welcome? Why is it that uh, you're not like your pagan neighbours? Why is it that you you love us the way you do? What will they see in you? The passage we read says that God calls all men everywhere to repent. And that's right. There is one human race. And there is one God. And God's message is the same to every people. No matter where they were brought up. No matter where they, they started from. And uh, something we tend to forget is that when the gospel first went out, the world was full of competing religious beliefs. The idea that there are, you know, more than one religion around is not new. It's always been there. It's come as something of a shock to us a little bit in this country because we sort of lost contact with the, the plurality that's there in the world. But it's been brought back to us. The gospel is intended for all people, for the good of all people, from the one God. And a key part of God's putting that out is through ordinary people living the truth of the Gospel, especially to those that don't know him. Three things. Will you take time to prepare yourself so that you're ready To talk graciously to the next Muslim you meet. Are you ready to take some time to think, well, how should I relate? What should I say? What should I not say? What can I offer? How can I invite? Because you know the encounter is going to happen sometime, so be ready for it. Prepare, learn, talk together. Learn from your, your resident experts. And you've got people here who are very well informed. Secondly, Now, here's a question. Will you ask God to give you Muslim neighbours? Is there a house on sale in your street? Is there a vacant flat in your block? Will you ask God to give you Muslim neighbours? I've met a few people that pray the reverse. But put it together. God intends through you to show his love to people. Can we not pray, God, give me Muslim neighbours? Because in these days, you're bringing Muslims to Christ. It's happening all over the world. I want to be a part of it. That house over the road, the flat next door, or the job vacancy, the colleague that you're going to put a Muslim alongside me and give me a chance to join in this sharing of the love of Jesus to Muslim people who do not know it? Well, a practical question, with a yes or no answer, something to talk about over the Sunday lunch, are you going to pray for God to send more Muslims here? You haven't got enough. That would be our faith response. A response that shows we have real confidence in God. And finally... Will you say to God, please let me be part of what you're doing in reaching the Muslim world. Bring them to me, send me to them, wherever you want me. We call Jesus Lord, but very often we don't want him to change our circumstances. Let's own up to him and say, Lord, here I am. I don't think I'm very useful, but you use the foolish things, the things that are not, it's not my ability, it's your ability. Use me, please. Give me the opportunity to participate in your mission of love to people that do not know you. And don't just pray at once. Keep on praying and see what God will do. Let's bow our heads. Father God, thank you that you can be trusted. More than that, that you are a God who is alive and active and moving in this world and doing things beyond our understanding. Lord, I pray that you would bring us more closely in step with you and with what you're doing. Lord, I pray that we will have the joy of leading, or at least pointing, many to you. That many will be set free and rejoicing in the love of Christ, in a new relationship with God, worshipping him, even those from a Muslim community. Lord, may we have this testimony to share with fellow Christians on what you are doing amongst Muslims in our part of the world. In Jesus' name, amen.